Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. I am so happy to be back here. I had the privilege of being here a while ago. Uh, I love the church, I love the adults, but I especially love the teenagers of this church. You have a great group of teenagers at this church. And when they asked me if I'd be willing to come back and be a part, I said I would be delighted to do that. I want you to turn to the person on your right. Turn to the person on your right. Say to them, you look good this morning. Now turn to the person on your left. Say to them, I wish I looked as good as you. Now do this gently, do this gently. Pat the person in front of you on the back. Do it gently, pat them on the back. Say to them, you're my new best friend. You're my new best friend. New best friend. Now turn around to the person behind you. Turn around to the person behind you. Say to them, then you should take me out for lunch. I know this is a transition time at this church, and I'm going to call you to stand strong. I'm going to call you to be faithful. I'm going to call you to take leadership. I'm going to call you to make a difference. The church is not about the board. The church is about the body of Christ, and that is you. That is you. Uh, I'm going to put some contact information up on the screen. And the reason I do that is just to say to you, if I can be a friend, if I can encourage you at all, I would be glad to do that. I want you to know that I read every message personally, and I respond to every message personally. Just be patient, and I promise you that I will get back to you. Sometimes it's nice if you can talk to somebody that you don't have to see face to face, and so I would be happy to be that person. This morning, I want to share with you a verse of hope. I'm going to give you a verse that uh, not a lot of us know about, but it is an awesome verse. So if you have a Bible and you want to turn to it, take your Bible and open to the book of Zephaniah. Open to Zephaniah. Just to help you find that, that's right before Haggai. (laughs) So turn to Zephaniah, and we're going to look at chapter 3 and verse 17. And if, if you can't find it, it's okay, it's up on the screen right now. So just turn to Matthew, pretend like you've got it, and look at the screen. (laughs) Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Man, underline that, star it, color it in your Bible. Remember this verse. And this morning, there are really five parts. I only have time to hit the first three. 
Number one, the Lord your God is with you. And that is a fact. And that is something you can depend upon no matter how you feel. Can I remind you that feelings are a terrible indicator of reality? I want you to know that if you feel Jesus, Jesus is there. If you don't feel Jesus, Jesus is there. If you're having a good day, Jesus is there. If you're having a hard day, Jesus is there. His promise to us is, let everybody else be unfaithful, I am faithful. I am faithful, the Lord your God is with you. Now, I also want to remind you that there's a big difference in knowing about God and knowing God personally. No matter what your political view is, you all know about President Trump, but very few of you know him personally. Because to know him personally means you'd have to have a face-to-face encounter with him. I understand you know about God. I understand you've been to Sunday school. I understand maybe you've gone through confirmation. I understand you know a lot of Bible information. But have you had a face-to-face encounter with him? Do you know him as your Savior, your Lord, your friend, because the Lord, your God, is with you? Pretty hard for God to be with you if you have rejected him. But once you have surrendered your life to him, then you can count on his presence. God is with you. So the question is, are you with God? The question is, are you with God? Now, I need some volunteers, and I'm going to pick them the military way. No, you probably don't want to raise your hand for this, but thank you very much for that. And I don't pick people in the front row because they're in the front row, and so, no, you'll be happy I'm not picking you. You'll be happy. So, so you are all free. You are all off the hook, okay? Here we go. I need, uh, I'm going to pick three volunteers. Number one, no, I don't think you want to be picked. Number one is, I'm going to pick the uh, woman, the beautiful woman with the long, dark hair sitting on the end of the row, kind of smiling. Yeah, now looking confused, now looking down, now thinking, why did I come this morning? Okay? (laughs) So you are going to be number one. Number two, I'm going to pick the uh, gentleman uh, writing right now on his uh, notebook and looked up at me and now looking at me again. And the older gentleman, the good-looking gentleman, the gentleman lacking hair. You're going to be number two. And then uh, number three, I'm going to pick the man, the blonde man. Yeah, grabbing his chest right there. Thank you for doing that because that just kind of caught my attention. No, the guy in front of you. The guy, yeah, the blonde-haired guy. You are actually black hair. The blonde-haired guy right there. All right, here we go. This is going to be really easy. Really easy. In just a second, I'm going to ask you to come up here on the platform. I'm going to hand you the mic, and I want you to tell me your name, and then I want you to tell me what did you study this morning in God's Word. What did you study this morning in God's Word? What did God teach you this morning? And then secondly, I want you to tell me one answer to prayer you've had this week. Don't tell me like a month ago or when you were on a missions trip. No, no. This past week, one specific answer to prayer you have had. Now, that's pretty easy. Say your name nice and clearly so we know exactly who you are. Okay? Here we go. Oh, one more thing. Right before you come, I'm not really going to have you do that. Okay? 
these three people are going, there is a God. Thank you. Thank you. I believe. But you know what? If I ask that this morning, for a number of us, it would be pretty embarrassing. For a number of us, we'd have to go, <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, um, um, I want you to well, you know, uh, uh, Greg, uh, uh, I was up kind of late last night, and, uh, you know, I, I, I slept in a little bit, and I, you know, I, I knew I'd hear you speak. So, you know, um, I, ju- I, ju- I, you know I, ju- I didn't have time. I, ju- I just, I didn't have time to read my Bible. I, ju- I didn't have time. I'd say, okay, fair enough. What about last week? It was a tough week. Um, we got finals and jobs of pain, and we got papers, and we got prom, and we got all this stuff going on. And, you know, I just, I didn't look, I didn't have time. I go, okay. What about last month? Look, it's been a tough life, okay? For some of us, it has been a long time since we have personally pursued an intimate relationship with God. The Lord your God is with you. Are you with him? Are you with him? Answer this question to the person next to you. It's either yes or no. So you've got a 50% chance of getting this right. If you go from this church service and you read your Bible every day and you pray every day for the next 30 days, at the end of 30 days, will Jesus love you more than he loves you right now, yes or no? The answer is no. Question number two, if you go from this service and you never read your Bible and you never pray, At the end of 30 days, will Jesus love you less than he loves you right now? Yes or no? The answer is no. Sometimes when I share this with teenagers, teenagers look at me and they say this. Then like um well then like uh well then like I don't get it. <laughs> well then like why read my Bible? Then like why pray? Like I don't get it. And this is what I say to them. I do not read my Bible so that God will love me. I read my Bible because I love God. I do not seek to pray so that God will love me. I pray Because I love God. My brothers and sisters, go and spend time with your king. Not because you have to, not because you're supposed to, not because you're going to get brownie points, not because you're on a guilt trip. Just do it because you love him. Number one, 
The Lord your God is with you. That's a fact. Number two, he is mighty to save. First of all, he's mighty to save you. I don't care what broken road you are on. I don't care how bad your choices have been. I don't care how poorly you have behaved. You are not in a place where the Lord God Almighty cannot reach down and save you and heal you and restore you and give you a brand new beginning. Your yesterdays do not determine your tomorrows. You can be different starting now because Jesus will give you the power to be different. He is mighty to save. We sing about our awesome God, but I don't know if you realize how awesome God really is. David comes to God and he says to God, this is crazy. Look at the mansion I'm living in. You're living in a tent. Let me build you a temple. And God says to David, no, David, you've been a king of war. Your son is going to be a king of peace. He'll build me a temple. And along comes Solomon. And Solomon builds God this temple. And then there's a prayer of dedication. Now, if you've never read the prayer of dedication, you should read that. It's kind of cool. But in the midst of this prayer of dedication, there is a declaration to the awesomeness of God. If you want to track with me on this, it's found in the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 8 and verse 27. This is in the middle of the prayer of dedication. But will God really dwell on earth? Even the heavens, even the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. I want you to consider this for a second. God is bigger than his creation. God is bigger than his creation. If tonight you get away from some of the lights and you walk outside and it's a clear night and you look up into that night sky, they say that on a good night you can see about 2,000 stars. They say that in our galaxy there are about 100 billion stars. And they guesstimate another 100 to 200 billion other galaxies. Now, how big is the number 100 billion? I mean, that's kind of hard for us to get our head around. I'm going to pick the lovely uh, auburn-haired woman with her arms crossed wearing the black dress. You look lovely this morning. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to count to a hundred billion and none of us are going to lunch until you hit a hundred billion. And let's say 
this woman is able to count 250 numbers a minute. Now, come on. That'd be flying. She'd be like, what do you Let's say she can count 250 numbers a minute. Turn to the person next to you and guess. How long would it take her to count to 100 billion? Turn to the person next to you and guess. Go. All right, you ready? It would take her a little over 700 years. 700 years to count to 100 billion. How big is God? God is bigger than his creation. If you took our sun and hollowed it out, they say you could drop into our sun about one million of our earths. They say that there are stars out there, and they say probably bigger ones than this yet to be discovered, but there are stars out there that if you hollowed out that star, you could drop into it 500 million of our suns. How big is God? God is bigger than his creation. If you could travel at 186,000 miles per second, which by the way is fast. If you could travel at 186,000 miles per second, how long would it take you to get to the next nearest galaxy? Would take you about 1,500,000 years. And keep in mind, that's the next nearest galaxy, and they guesstimate 100 to 200 billion other galaxies out there. How big is God? God is bigger than his creation. And I want to tell you, he is worthy of our praise, and he is worthy of our worship, and this awesome God can take good care of you. He is mighty to save you, and he is mighty to save through Do you realize right now in the midst of all the gloom and doom, and by the way, I don't watch the news on TV anymore because no longer is news about reporting the news. Now it's about manipulation and control and everything's slanted and everybody's got an agenda and everybody's trying to control you. No, no. And everything's such negative stuff. But I want to tell you that in the midst of all this doom and gloom, we are experiencing some of the greatest moving of the Spirit of God in the history of the world. And I want to invite you to get on board. Just a little while ago, like within the last month, a friend of mine was invited to speak in Pakistan. He was invited to do outdoor gospel presentations in Pakistan. So they got a huge field, and they guesstimated, they hoped, they prayed that a lot of people would be coming out. 
So about halfway down the field, they put a screen up so people far away could see. And he had armed guards with him the whole time. Armed guards with him the whole time. And every night they stayed at a different house so that militants wouldn't know where they were. The first night he preached, there were 5,000 people. That's pretty good. Pakistan? I think that's amazing. They left that field, went and told their friends and stuff, and the second night, there were 30,000 people that showed up at the field. They went from there and told their friends, and on the third night, there were over, in Pakistan, there were over 270,000 people that came to this field to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. And they say that they had over 100,000 decisions for Christ. I am saying in the midst of doom and gloom, in the midst of brokenness and homes falling apart and sin and all the rest, God is working in powerful ways. I sent out on social media to uh, all my teenage friends, and I have a lot of teenage friends on social media, and I asked them this question, what is God doing in your life right now? What is he doing in your life right now? And here's what I got back. These are just some of the responses. You listen to what God is doing through teenagers. By the way, adults say to me, how can you work with teenagers? Don't they like scare you? Don't they like intimidate you? Do they, do they ever bite? I mean, I'm here to say if you saw teenagers the way I see teenagers... That's the only group you'd want to work with. So listen to what God is doing in and through these teenagers. Maggie is 17 from Illinois and lives in Haiti for five weeks in the summer, helping the poorest of the poor. And right now she is raising $30,000 for Haiti. Jonah is 16 from Iowa, and he helped a blind homeless man by buying him groceries. Lauren is 18 from Minnesota, and she is in Mexico helping build houses for those in need. Here's what she says, I quote, My heart is overjoyed as I am preparing to take part in another adventure of a lifetime, loving on the oppressed and bringing the hope and love of Christ to those in need. I will go wherever, whenever, and to whomever, as long as it is for the glory of God. This is a teenager. Justin is 17 years old from Nevada. He's become a worship leader who has formed a youth band to play weekly for mentally disabled children. Aliyah is 15 from Wisconsin. She's autistic, but doesn't let that hold her back. And her goal is to tell as many people as she can about Jesus. Charity is 17 from Wisconsin. 
There was no real Christian presence on her high school campus, so she started a Bible study on campus. Seth, 18 years old from California, he told his friends and classmates that life is short, and he told them about Jesus. His father wrote me that Seth had just died from cancer, and at his funeral, 30 of his friends from school came forward, stood at his casket, and surrendered their lives to Jesus. Jake is 14 from Stuttgart, Germany, who lives now in Maryland. He went out for the play and invited students to join him for prayer before practice. This cracks me up. The teacher forbid it, so that encouraged more teens to join. (laughs) And now they walk across the street, pray, and come back for practice. Bailey is 18 years old and lives in Florida. She has a heart for missions and serving others. She's already ministered in Mexico, Guatemala, El Salvador, and Nicaragua twice. And Hannah is 17 from Wyoming, and she writes me this. I want to share something with you. About a month and a half ago, a girl in my English class started talking to me. The girl is very different, which is okay. She's kind of quiet, but when she talks, she talks really fast. Anyway, she started to talk to me more and more. And this was a lesson for me, too, because I learned not to judge people. She, for some reason, felt like she could trust me. She wrote me a note saying she was depressed. She didn't see a point to life, and she was done. So I started texting her, being there for her and trying to have Jesus say what he wanted to say to her through me. Now, this has gone on for a month. She telling me she can't do it anymore and me trying to speak life into her heart. And I got frustrated more than I care to admit because I really didn't want to talk to this girl 24-7. She would text me a lot, like a lot, a lot. I prayed to Jesus to change my heart. So I kept praying for her, telling her about Jesus, and trying to love her the best I could. This afternoon, I got a text from her. Can we talk? I had just woken up from a nap, and I was a little crabby, but I text back, yeah. She told me she had just accepted Jesus, and she knows he can be that rock for her. At that moment, I forgot all my frustrations And I felt this overwhelming joy. I didn't know what was going to happen when I got that first note. I was at such a loss for what to say, and it was difficult. But as time went on, I just prayed, okay, Jesus, you just do your thing through me. I knew all I did was let Jesus love her through me. Now look what happened. Because of Jesus... Because of love, she is relying on Jesus, and I am learning how to love. Let me just ask, 
What about you? What about you? I'm not here to put you on a guilt trip. I'm just saying, if God is mighty to save through those teenagers, God is mighty to save through you. You have been deceived by the enemy. You think sin will fulfill you more than Jesus. You think a boyfriend will make you happier than Jesus. You think things of this world will satisfy you more than Jesus. And you have wandered. And I'm telling you as your brother in Christ that it's time to come home. Now is the time. Jesus has raised you up for such a time as this. He's got a purpose and a plan and a destiny for your life. So get up off your big fat couch and get out there and live for the person of Jesus Christ. He wants to work through you. And look, here's all it takes. All it takes is this. Starting now, be faithful and available. Be faithful and available. Have you ever prayed for a divine appointment? Have you ever just said, Jesus, if you want to use me, I'm available. Set up a divine appointment where I can represent you. And hold on, man, because it's going to happen. And do you know what life will become for you? Instead of same old, same old, same old, life will become an adventure. Jesus will lead you places and set up things you never even dreamed possible. He is ready to work in and through you beyond anything you ask or even imagine. So let's get the ball rolling. Here's your assignment for today. Before your head hits the pillow tonight, here's your assignment. You are to perform three random acts of kindness. Three random acts of kindness. It can be as simple as this. Men, you're walking out a door and there's a woman behind you. Open the door and let the woman go first. That's a random act of kindness. And by the way, this has happened to me before. I'll just say this. If you're in a mall or something, I've done this before. You open a door for a woman and the woman looks at me and says, you don't have to open a door just because I'm a woman. Here's what I say to her, and you can say this too. I look at her and say, ma'am, I don't open this door because you're a woman. I open this door because I'm a gentleman. And men, you need to be gentlemen. And men, you know where that starts? It starts with your wife, and it starts with your mother. And teenage guys, take a deep breath on this one. And it starts with your sister. Sister, don't shake your head no. I saw you. Yeah, right? No, he's not even looking at me. Yeah, I saw you shake your head no. Don't do that. You need to be about serving. Let's say a random act of kindness is this. Let's say you're going to go out now to a really nice restaurant. So you're sitting in the drive-thru. And you've ordered your food. Order a dessert. And when you get up to the window, she's going to hand you the bag, or he's going to hand you the bag, say to them, no, don't take it. Say, take the dessert out of the bag. 
Because if you touch it, they can't take it back. So they'll take the dessert out of the bag. And then you say, give it to the person behind me and just say to them, have a great day. A random act of kindness is going up to somebody and just saying something encouraging. You're great. I appreciate you. I love that dress. I love the outfit. Whatever. Three random acts of kindness and ask God to set up for you a divine appointment because God is mighty to save through you. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. And lastly, he will take great delight in you. I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to confess something right now to you that is going to shock you. And some of you are going to really look down on me after I say this. So here we go. I don't really like little children. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about my grandchildren, for crying out loud. They're perfect. I'm talking about other little children. I I just don't like little children. I don't even get little children. And look, the feeling's mutual. Little children don't like me. If I'm introduced to a little child and I go, hi, they usually go, so they don't like me. So I'm sitting in my office. And by the way, I have offices around the world. Please, 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 please feel free to come in to any one of my offices. So I'm sitting in Starbucks working and somebody walks through the door and I look up and it's a mother with a little girl and I look back down and I keep working. And pretty soon the manager walks over to me, and I'm friends with the manager. And he said, Greg, let me introduce you to somebody. Oh, and it's the woman and the little girl. So I stand up at the table, and this is my wife, and oh, nice to meet you. And this is my daughter. Oh, hi, honey. Nice to meet you. That's it. That's it. So a few days go by. I'm back in Starbucks, and I'm working away. And somebody walks in the door, and I look up, and it's a mother and a little girl. And I look at the mother, and the mother looks at me, and I smile and nod, and I wave, and she waves back, and I look at the little girl, and I smile. And the little girl looks at me, and she goes, and her eyes get really big, and her mouth opens, and she lets go of her mother's hand, and she starts to run toward me in Starbucks. So I'm like, who's behind me? And there's nobody behind me. So I slip out of my chair and I get down on one knee and this little girl just runs to me. She throws her arms around me and she says, I've missed you so much. And I'm like, well, I've kind of missed you too. Uh, uh, This is such a shock. And she doesn't want to leave me. And she sits on my lap. And she's telling me stuff. And the mother comes over and says, you want to get a treat? No, she doesn't want to leave me. And the mother looks at me and says, this is very unusual. And I'm like, you're telling me. (laughs) So look, I have never heard God speak out loud to me. I have never heard the audible voice of God. Maybe some of you have. And that must be awesome. I've never heard like God just speak out loud in a room to me. But I've sensed him speak in my mind. And I've sensed him speak as I've read his word. 
And so I'm doing some devotions, and it's like God says to me, remember the little girl? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. He's like, remember how excited she is to see you? And I'm like, yeah. And God says, that's how I feel about you. That's how God feels about you. He doesn't just like you. He doesn't just love you. He delights in you. You bring a smile to his face. He looks forward to hanging out with you. He runs to you. You are his child. And he doesn't delight in you because you do something. He delights in you because you're his son, you're his daughter. So my brothers and sisters, now is the time. The Lord your God is with you. Be with him. He is mighty to save. To save you and through you. And he will take great delight in you. Let's bow together in prayer. This is going to be the benediction. The benediction is I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And I'm going to invite you to do something a little hard. And I don't want there to be any music. I don't want there to be any singing. This is just you and God. If this morning you would say, Lord, I want to be a part of what you're doing. Or, Lord, maybe I just need a fresh new beginning. I need a new start. Or, Jesus, I'd like to know you for the first time. Or, Jesus, I just need a blessing from you. Then in just a second, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat and come down here in the front. And I'm going to pray a blessing over you. And that is going to be the benediction. This is not about your friends. It's not about your spouse. It's not about your parents. It's not about your kids. It's about you and you connecting with him. If you'd like that blessing, would you just quietly get up and come right down here to the front right now? If your heart is pounding and you should be down here and you're wondering what other people are going to think, can I just say to you, be more interested in what Jesus thinks and less of what other people think. So if you need to be down here, 
you just come. You just be obedient to him. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to get back on track. It's never too late to receive a blessing. You who have come forward, look at me. Just look at me before I pray. I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. And for your willingness to take this stand and to step out, to say, Jesus, I need you and I want you, and I'm going to pray now a blessing upon you that the King of kings and the Lord of lords will begin to work in and through you beyond anything you have experienced in the past. Thank God for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for these men and women. Thank you for their willingness to step out, to acknowledge you publicly, to say, Lord Jesus, I need you. And so, God, I lift them up to you right now. And I ask you to put your arms around them and to hold them and to love them. And then, God, I pray your richest blessing upon them. I pray that you would heal them physically heal them emotionally, and heal them spiritually. I pray that you would set up for them divine appointments. I pray that they would begin to experience you, the living God, working in and through them beyond anything they could ask or even imagine. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We are so thankful to be your children. And now, right before I let you go, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, would you just pray after me silently right now? Lord Jesus, I confess to you that I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made some really poor choices. I've sinned. I'm sorry for those sins. Please forgive me of those sins. Right now, I open my life to you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Take control of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that my sins are forgiven. Thank you that you are in my life. And Jesus, I want you to know that I love you. God, thank you for what you have done this morning. And to you and you alone belong the honor and the glory and the praise, both now and forevermore. Amen. Now, I just want you to give a little high five to as many people around you as you can, and just say, I am proud of you.